Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome back, everyone, to the Surge Strength Podcast. Hope you're doing well. A special welcome to all of the coaches that we welcomed this past week into the Surge Strength Dryland Certification. They're starting their journey to earn those SSDC credentials. It's awesome. So if you didn't make it, don't worry. We'll open up enrollment later in the year. But if you missed it and you're still looking for dryland knowledge, dryland resources, workouts, other things that can help you in that part of your program, make sure you register for free in the Surge Strength Academy. We have dozens now, or we're getting close to dozens, of 101 uh, dryland courses. These are completely free. They're, a lot of them are taken straight from the certification curriculum as well. So that's the level of free dryland resources we're giving to you. So if you're listening to this podcast, if you're subscribed and you haven't, be sure to check out the Surge Strength Academy. Again, register for free. Check out the Dryland 101 courses. A few weeks ago, this podcast came out and I just got around to listening to it. Well, this podcast I've been subscribed to for a while, the Tim Ferriss show. And he had an interview with Michael Phelps and Grant Hackett. And it was fascinating, especially Tim is one of those people that learned to swim in uh, later in life as an adult. And he's talked about that in previous podcasts before. He actually learned to swim with uh, Terry McLaughlin of um, the, uh, oh, the name is escaping me right now, <laughs> but uh, the total immersion method. Yes, the total immersion method is how Tim Ferriss learned to swim as an adult. And he's always had a fascination with it. It's kind of crept into podcasts here and there. But this podcast that he set up between Michael Phelps and Grant Hackett was really insightful because it, obviously they talked about going to the Olympics, breaking world records and feats that you accomplished. But They more so talked about the development of each of them as people, both in their swimming career and post-swimming career, and especially post-swimming career, what does that mean to basically fill that huge gap where all your training used to be and your maybe worth as a human being? It was really just insightful, interesting, and it made me think too that especially with dryland, getting kids stronger, helping them feel good about themselves that hopefully should carry in when they're done swimming. And maybe they don't want to get in the water. Maybe they don't want to participate in masters later on in life. But on some level, you need to have some kind of physical fitness, be able to move well. And so dryland can play a really cool role in that as long as you're approaching it the correct way and making sure it's not some arduous thing or an extra thing you throw or a punishment, worst of all. And so I really just enjoyed the back and forth conversation with Phelps and Hackett there. So make sure you check out the Tim Ferriss show. It was a few episodes ago by now, but really insightful on that. This episode on the Inside the Surge Strength Academy, so this is pulled right from the certification curriculum. It's about meeting the athlete at their level and specifically from a communication standpoint. We wrote an article on Swim Swim a while ago about this topic, had a lot of traffic on it. And so we figured we would bring it to the podcast as well. And then in the Dryland Talk segment, we're going to be talking to Jay DeMeo. He's a collegiate strength coach for the swim teams at the University of Richmond. Really good stuff. So this is actually a while ago here. I actually did the interview 
with Jay on one of the uh, strength summits that we did a while back, but really good stuff with Jay. So let's dive into the episode. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. Meeting the athlete at their level is the topic I'm going to be covering in this lesson. So I've mentioned it a couple times now, this phrase, meeting the athlete where they're at in the previous lessons of this module. And so I thought it would make sense to actually have a lesson around this because this can really make or break the program. You may have a great program laid out, periodized to the season. You have it set. I'm swimming here. I'm doing dry land here. You have your flow of phases that you're going through. But if it doesn't match where the athlete is at, it's not going to end up with good results. So in this module overall, the training specificity, this hopefully where you're going to have those light bulb moments and figure out how to manipulate the program to meet the athlete where they're at. Because when you have a good program and it's at the level of the athletes that you're dealing with, that's where you're going to have the best results. If you have a poor program, but it's still meeting the athlete, it might be okay. And the same time, if you have a great program, but it's still not meeting at the athlete, it may be okay results. But the best results are when you have a great program and it's meeting the athlete where they're at. One of the biggest things is understanding the age of the athlete you're dealing with and their ability and not jumping to conclusions that their age is the same as their ability, especially in a chronological age. Again, you may have an athlete come to you that's 53 that's never strength trained before. So they're really a baby. They're zero. You need to start at the very basics, much the same way you would an athlete that has checked both those boxes for the first times in terms of the prerequisites for strength training. Maybe they're 11 years old. Their programs are probably going to look really similar. And that's okay. And to knowing that's probably the best thing to do at, from that standpoint. Now, you also go on to scale the dryland programming, and we're going to have case studies specifically for each of these groups coming up so you can see the differences. What does a master's program look like in compared to a collegiate program, compared to a senior or high school program, and then age groupers as well? It should not look the same, but there are the same underlying principles, and then you are manipulating the variables to match the adaptations and the age and ability of the athletes that you're dealing with. Because you're working with swimmers. So the end goal is probably the same for all of these groups. So from masters, collegiate, high school, age group, they all have the same biology. They're a human being. They all want a swimmer's body because that's going to help them be more successful. Then it comes to you doing the movement assessment and performance test to see, okay, we need to work on this. You're pretty strong on this. How we can put together the program based on your goals your training schedule, and all of that. But know that the end goal is usually the same for all these populations, but the journey that you're going to go through it, that's going to be where it's different. The underlying principles still stay the same too. It's just you're going to manipulate the variables a little bit because everybody has that same metabolism we've talked about in terms of how energy is produced. And the same swimmer's body goals of having a high strength to mass ratio in terms of the body weight to their strength having a strong core, being mobile. Any swimmer at any level wants these goals and working towards these goals is going to have them be more successful. And then finally, making sure you're doing the movement assessments and performance tests because these really give you the insights. And especially if you're working with a group to be able to individualize for each athlete that program even within the greater group structure because that's where you're gonna have the best results. So make sure you're meeting the athlete where they're at. Don't just have your idea of what a program should be. 
Be looking at all these things as you're putting it together, and that's going to result in the best program. Dryland Talk. We're excited to have Jay DeMeo on, and he was one of the top speakers I had on my wish list, and I was glad we were able to make it work with the busy schedule. Jay is also the podcast host of the CV SAP. Jay, I get too, too many initials. C-V-A-S-P. There yes. we go. Yeah, great podcast if you want to just listen to other just strength and conditioning uh, people in the field. But Jay actually works a lot with the Nova Aquatics uh, swim team, right, Jay? Yes, sir. And so I wanted to have him on because obviously they're one of the more premier clubs in the nation. And Jay, obviously, accomplished strength coach himself. And so we're making sure that you guys have a real good idea of what happens at the club level. Like I feel in some ways it's kind of easier to talk about, Hey, what do the college guys do? Well, if you're not in college, it doesn't really relate to you as much, especially if you're having to work on deck or, you know, wherever that clubs have to deal with. So Jay, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, pretty excited to sit here and wrap a bit. Yeah. So we're going to basically talk about, you know, general preparation. And I think you had a great line when you emailed me, uh, what was it? The ideal world versus the dream world, if you will, about that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a crazy conundrum that we have, right? Yeah. So talk about what your experience has been working in the club scene. And I guess even back up a little bit, how long have you been working with the club team? Oh, jeepers. So I've been with Nova now. I think this is year 11, uh, 11 or 12. I've been helping, you know, and working under Jeff Brown and, and all the kids there. We've been fortunate to have some kids who swim really, really fast that mm. have, uh, you know, woken up at four o'clock in the morning and dove in a box of water. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. They're an interesting group. Um, and, you know, and I've worked with the team at the University of Richmond for 14 years. So kind of have been stuck in this subculture of swimming for yeah. what may be too long at this <laughs> point. But it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a good ride. So I guess if we could reverse way back to the first year or so where you started working with swimmers, what maybe surprised you or kind of like, really, that's what you guys are doing or that's what you guys think we need to accomplish here, especially when we're talking about like the GPP kind of phase of the dry land stuff. I think the biggest thing that surprised me was like how bad they are as athletes, Mm. like in general. Um, you know, I was joking with Joel Smith about it on, on his podcast. We've missed more pool time due to curbs and falling out of bed uh, than we have due to things in the water. I think the biggest injury we've had in the water is because there's been kids who haven't been paying attention in the lane mm. and they, they thunk heads. Like, it's not, I mean, you know, of course, when you have... As many kids as we have at Nova, yeah, you've got your overuse type things because yeah. it just happens. But like when we're talking about missed time, it's just more because they just are so scatterbrained that they just clunk into each other. And it's that's how we miss time. Um, so not the, the fact that they're extremely accomplished athletes mm. who aren't really athletes yeah. uh, is probably the biggest surprise. And then on top of that, I think that swimming may be up there with rivaling almost like football when it comes to like the intensity of dry land, or at least mm. back in you know the early 2000s when I started, when it was all sorts of crazy circuits and like yeah. med balls, jumps, and throws, and I mean like stuff that like even CrossFitters would probably be like, dude, that's hard, <laughs> you know. So it's like I think that looking back at it. 
And that's really impacted like our plan and how we look at things and how we progress things with the kids. Mm. Uh, because uh, for those of you that don't know, at Nova, they swim a lot of yards. Mm. I mean, their practices are absolutely like gigantic. So we don't really need to come into the weight room and do some like German volume training yeah. 10 by 10 because they're just not going to make it. I mean, it's they'd get to Thursday that week and they'd probably all be just wrecked. Um, so just slowing it down and, and really trying to baby step the kids and slow cook it really. Like we've got kids right now in the group that are 12 years old, 13 years old, uh, building into our progressions. And um, it's really it's really neat to watch. That's a and good we'll point. Yeah, I like the, the phrase that you use, slow cooking it. And I think even more interestingly is that you're doing dryland with a program that is historically known for big volume and big yardage. And like you said, you know, at the start when he came in, man, you guys are doing crazy stuff, circuits, things like that. It's the point of dryland isn't to get tired. It's to get better as an athlete, to get stronger. So talk about how maybe you have to balance that with a program that is maybe doing a little bit more distance and kind of like, hey, this is who we are, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is if you're doing the dryland work for the team and you think you're going to come in and change the identity of that program, mm. I got some bad news for you, buddy. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Yeah. And for a while, um, let's talk about mistakes I made. I tried to dive right in with it. Mm. You know, we're going to push. We're going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, they do all this volume. We need to train at all this high volume. And I couldn't be further from the truth when it came to that. Um, so what you need to do, or at least in my opinion, and I could be completely dead wrong, is you need to find the kids that you trust and the mm. kids that you know are good in practice. And when they come in, you got to ask them questions. And I try to actually avoid the question, how do you feel? <laughs> I usually try to, because more often than not, I mean, let's be honest, like swimming is a subculture of fatigue. Right. Right. They're always tired <laughs> because they're always overreaching because if they aren't overreaching and then you go into a realization phase or a taper, all you're really doing is wasting your time. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, they, they're going to be like that, but you need to get a feel for like, are they really tired or are they just normal swimmer tired? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like not to like kind of demean their general state of fatigue, but it's different if scale. It's just a Tuesday, right? If it's a Tuesday, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> if it's a Tuesday, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's uh Keenan and I have talked about it. Like it's, you, you got to remember that them finishing that kick set is way more important than those three sets of squats. Mm -hmm. So if they are beat up, we make changes, you know, it's feel it out. And I think that that's the other part too, with the programming and how we have it set up and, and I'll get you, I don't have it on my laptop. I'll make sure I send it to you tomorrow morning. The, um, the actual progression that we're using now, with oh, Nova. Yeah. I have a similar one that we use with our field hockey athletes where we're just, you know, when we get into that that infographic behind us, yeah, um, talking about how we actually are progressing with the younger kids, because it's, I think that especially with this generation, the more autonomy you offer them mm. and allow them to give input, 
and the more they can see where they're going, uh, the better off we are when it comes to whatever you want to call it, buy-in or them being excited or them continuing to improve. Uh, and even more so, you just separate those from those that really want to be there from those that are just there. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So yeah, let's start at this infographic, this this four-year approach kind of. And obviously you work at the college and the club level. And so it seems you kind of feel this applies to either one. I'm assuming you're either going freshman college or freshman high school when you're working through this. Or the first time they walk in. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be a, a junior transfer. It could be, you know, an 18-year-old kid who never went in the weight room before. They They need to be able to Get into positions. Um, you know, I gosh, I can't even tell you who said it. But somebody who was just on our podcast was talking about how we want to load these people in all of these positions before they even own the bottom and top ends of these positions. Mm. So that's what number one is. And a lot of that is from Connors' uh, gymnastics bodies. I toyed around with it. I'm abysmal at it, uh, but I'm pretty good at lifting weights, I think. So yeah. like, I think that if you're, you know, it's something that everybody can improve on and it's just a bunch of crawling patterns and different holds. Um, but yeah, in our freshman class at U of R, that's exactly what we did uh, at Nova for a while. That was part of our warmup mm -hmm. and, and everyone was doing it because we weren't going to reset the entire program in the middle of the year. Where do you think other coaches whether they're strength coaches or just some coaches trying to do dry land go wrong at this first point where you feel going about it with this gymnastics, crawling, other kind of movements, it puts them in a better position. Oh, well, I think the biggest thing is we have to remember that they're not land mammals, mm. right? You know, they are horizontal in an aqueous solution. That's where they do their sport. There's really no gravitational, you know, influence on what they're doing mm -hmm. we don't know for certain if there is any true stretch shortening cycle when they even hit the wall but everyone loves to talk about how jumps are really important but i don't know about the kids that you see swim but i don't see a lot of kids hit the wall and watch their butt keep sinking towards the wall and then they push <laughs> off you know they usually just punch the wall with their feet right <laughs> now I'm sure there's some sort of amortization phase and the isometric, and then there has to be an eccentric, yada, yada, yada. I get it. Do we need to do a thousand squat jumps with these kids though? Mm. Like, is that really what's going to be important? Um, and I'm asking that as a legitimate question because I don't know the answer. And there's a lot of us that have started talking about it that way. Like, are we more worried about just the concentric phase when we get to our, our tapering or our realization phase, whatever you want to call it? Um, but a lot of coaches want to go right into jumps because they think the more we jump, the better we'll be off the wall. Well, I got bad news for you. Like if they stink off the wall, chances are it's their technique. Mm. Like if they're not good off the wall, maybe it's because they've not really learned how to come off the wall. Like, you know, it's, you don't buy a new oven because you can't bake a cake, right? <laughs> like you figure out how to bake a cake. So I think that we need to remember that first and foremost is that especially in swimming, because what we know, just physics, the harder you push against the water, the more resistance it's going to provide, right? Mm -hmm. So right there in and of itself, you would think that the harder you jump, the more it would slow you down. Unless you're pushing the right way, mm. your body's in the right line, you're able to do all these things that we know, you know, counteract that whole thing. 
Um, I mean, shoot, like if you watched, if you watched the the two hundred prelims or the semis in the Olympics, I, I think Roddy Gaines actually said that like Townley had the worst reaction time he had ever seen at someone on a start yeah. in the Olympics. <laughs> like he said that I, on, yeah, on, 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 on PC, you know. And then the kid comes back the next day in the eight hundred free relay and swims like the third fastest time in the history of water. <laughs> so it's like. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like people think that jumps are the cure all for walls. I, I don't know if I'm willing to bet my house on that. Mm. I also think that coaches also like to dose super high intensity stuff and whatever's new, cool and sexy mm. to whoever they bring in. And the one thing that we talk about when we talk about training our athletes um, is we always tell people, you know, when, when you were little and you had a cold, you know, your mother didn't take you to the hospital and hook you up and get you chemo. And like, you didn't get AIDS level antivirals, right? You took Robitussin. <laughs> you know, you, no one gives somebody chemo for a cold. So why would you train a 13 year old the same way Keenan Robinson was training Michael Phelps? Mm. You know, just because Michael's the greatest swimmer that'll ever dive into the water doesn't mean that Charlie, who, you know, just joined your swim club and is 13 years old and, you know, doesn't even know like what freaking hand paddles are yet should be doing the same thing. Now, I mean, obviously that's an extreme example, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people, and this is one of the negatives of the internet, I believe, you know, a lot of people turned around and they saw like what Matt was doing with Ryan and it was all the, the strongman stuff. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden like swimmers all over the place started doing strongman. I don't know if you've ever seen Ryan Lockie, yeah. but he's, he's a specimen, <laughs> you know, like he's totally different mm -hmm. than like a lot of other kids out there, you know? So like picking the means that you're trying to get to the end, I think we need to pump our brakes a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, those would be probably the main things is it's like slow down and, and they don't understand like technique at all. You know, I think that's the bigger thing is I think that the technique needs to drive the decisions that you're making. Mm. Because if it didn't, if you didn't, if you don't think the technique's important enough to really hamper home on it um, when it comes to their performance, then why in the world are they even doing that exercise? Mm -hmm. no. You know, like. Like if, it, if you're going to say they need to deadlift in some sort, whether it be trap bar, sumo, conventional, who cares? Even if you let them pick those, because I do stuff like that with mm -hmm. some of my older kids. If you're not going to make sure that they deadlift right, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Just because it's cool to deadlift? No, no, no. It's cool to win. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one cares if, if a swimmer can deadlift 500 pounds. They care if you're on the podium. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's really where the tie-in like kind of falls apart. Mm, yeah. And it's the same thing in the water too. You got to care about the technique. And a lot of coaches, I think, do care about the technique. But for whatever reason, sometimes on land, it, it could get lost a little bit. But I want to move on yeah. to, to the year two here with four and talk about, you know, what are we building on and, and how do you keep progressing them through this kind of four-year cycle? Okay, so the one by 20 is basically the brainchild of Dr. Michael Yeses, who's the individual who is responsible for bringing most of the Soviet literature over to the United States. 
he's out of San Diego now. He's been an absolutely massive mentor to me. There's multiple clubs around the country that have utilized it. Um, Keenan's a big proponent of it. Uh, there's a club out in California using it now. Um, and basically what it is, is when you can do an exercise for 20 or more repetitions with really solid technique and you don't feel like, you know, your heart's going to you know explode out of your chest because 20 squats is a bear. Like sometimes, <laughs> um, you add five pounds and you go from there. And then once you can't add weight, uh, you simply do one of two things. You either change the means selected or you drop to 14 reps. Mm. Um, and with the younger kids, what we've done when they're able to get into positions, we've backed them even down further. Um, so they're doing step ups before they squat. Mm. And then Because, you know, being involved in strength and conditioning, you've heard, you know, the, the age old fight of, should they back squat or front squat? Should they even squat? Should it be single leg stuff? Okay. So, you know what, if the single leg stuff, if people are really going to be that adamant about it, that they need to do that first, that's what we do. We need to be able to master specific things in that linear split into a lateral split into a hinge to a deadlift. Mm. And then we'll start squatting the kids. Um, and that's where we start our kids at the U of R over in the off season too. Just kind of as a re-education Plus, I mean, when the season's over, we're coming into finals anyway, and school's really hard. Right. So why stress them out even more? Because we're going to make them do, like, some crazy squat workout. Now, let, let's take our time, take our moment to re-educate, get back to where we need to be, build that resilience and the mobility that we that's necessary to provide, you know, the range of motion that we need for these exercises. And, uh, yeah, it, it's fun, and it's really – it's neat because you're constantly seeing improvement. Mm-hmm. Now the, the one complaint people have about it is it can, it can become redundant. Um, What's swimming, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was trying to say. I'm like, kids chirp about the fact that I've squatted nine workouts in a row. And like, what would they freaking dye the water yellow yesterday? Like, it's you jumped in the water, you swam to the other end and back about a billion times, and then you got out. Um, and you're always getting better. You know, mm-hmm. so, and, and I hate to say it like this, but it's like, I'm not here to be like, for it to be fun. Right. Here to like, get we're better. trying to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, if it's fun, that's a bonus. I could do it for months because, you know, if, if I'm still adding five pounds to my squat, I think that's great. But you also have to remember these kids are going to think differently. So, you know, we, we do our best with, with all that and, and fighting that battle. Um, you know, when it comes to the possibility of monotony. But I think that for the most part, the kids do see the forest of the trees, mm. especially when you show them all of the steps yeah. you know, where we're trying to go. Well, that's what I was about to say. If you're a good coach, I feel like if you teach them the techniques of like, let's say, for instance, squatting, that especially if they're an engaged and good athlete, they're going to want to buy into that as much as you would their stroke. You know, OK, I want to make sure like I know all the nuances of that. And that's going to be that engagement that's needed because I think that's where fun sometimes is substitute for engagement. Like if they're engaged thinking, okay, I'm going to have good technique. That's where sometimes you hear that. Oh, well, this isn't fun. I'm bored, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe they're just not engaged on what you're actually doing. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So year three, we go to this two to three sets now, break us down in year three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, or even more. So 
really what we're doing right now with the kids at Nova who are really advanced and what it'll do is when we come back with the, the women at Richmond, uh, the kids are juniors and the seniors who are more advanced is they'll start and everything pretty much will be with the barbell. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's set up simply as like, it's a deadlift, two different poles. Um, we will let them press, you know, we'll put a bar and if they feel comfortable putting it over their head, let's go. You know, I mean, they, I don't know if you've ever watched a kid come off the wall, but a push press and coming off the wall looks pretty similar to me. Um, you know, the boys at Nova are doing that now and they love it. Uh, I mean, you know, with more land-based sports, we, we do two presses with them. We only do one. Uh, we'll do a couple squatting exercises, um, a hip hinge, a row, and then some sort of low back raise, whatever it may be. Um, and it's, you know, anywhere from three to five sets of, just adding that, adding a rep as we go through and mm. they, um, they do really well with it. And it's basically, it's more of what we would consider like lifting weights, mm -hmm. you know, like big compound movements, barbells and those sort of things. Um, we also give a lot more autonomy at that point. So like if you're pulling conventional, right. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I don't know if I can do five at, you know, two and a half kilos more. Yeah. Okay. Change it. What do you want to do? I want to pull the trap bar. Awesome. Have fun. Mm. You know, set a weight that's going to be moderately challenging and go from there. And then, you know, the, and that's kind of the same idea that with the one by 20, you know, right. It's, it's like, pick something, go as far as you can, mm -hmm. change it, keep getting better. You know, and then eventually come back and try to beat what you left off at. Hmm. Um, and you know, knock wood, we, we've had some pretty good success when they return back to them, you know, even if it's only five pounds more, it's five pounds more. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, I think it's, what it is. I think it's funny. We're, we keep talking about, it seems like, Hey, just be patient, take the long road, just slow. Isn't that what swimming is in general? But for some reason on land, we, we don't seem to make that connection. No, a hundred percent. You know, it's like, oh, well, we're going to take six months, you know, for this to work for this one weekend. Yeah. But if this three week lifting phase <laughs> is an absolutely psychotic, <laughs> we're going to lose our minds. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. I think that's an absolutely awesome point. And it's like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it's different that they think it needs to be so much different, mm. but like, you wouldn't expect a kid to show up at practice three times in a week and set three lifetime bests. But you expect a kid to show up three times a week in the weight room and set three lifetime bests in a pull-up. Mm. You know, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, let's, let's slow down, you know, if they come in. And that best part about these programs, too, is it's like, okay, like if you look at a kid and you're like, okay, at best, just repeat what you did last time. <laughs> you know, like, hey, man, if you got to lighten up the squats, yeah. light them up. Like, I can tell. Like, it's, or like, you see him do a couple set reps, and you're like, oh, boy. You know, it's like, put it away. Yeah, cut it. Like, if you want to do it, lighten it way up. Take your time. Focus on the technique. Because what's the point in doing something if you're not going to do it right? Yep. No. You know, my mother used to make me do things over all the time. <laughs> you know, like, 
I just don't see it. Well, that's a great point. And so we've taken all these three years to build up to now. I'm assuming velocity-based training is the VBT here, year four. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, you know, I, obviously, Dr. Mann and I have an absolutely fantastic relationship. And I do think that this is the next step. And I think that once they get good at this, then you bring in another guy who I've been really lucky to get to know over the years in Caldeet stuff. I think oh, that yeah. the triphasic stuff piggybacks piggybacks onto this perfectly. And, and Jay, um, a couple of our, a lot of our audience, I think, aren't going to be necessarily familiar with the VBT. Just give them a quick 30 second rundown of it. And then we can talk about the rest of your four. So basically what we're doing, instead of looking at the load on the barbell, we're looking at the velocity that the barbell is moving at in order to determine the load. Mm. So you apply different devices. There's things you can wear on your arms. There's stuff that you can actually attach tethers to the band. Um, those are the ones that I would always recommend. Um, and the company that we use is gym aware. Uh, they're awesome. And Evan is like, he's the greatest dude in the entire world, man. Like if you have any questions or issues, you know, he's in Australia and the dude gets back to me no longer than six hours (laughs) after an email. I don't know how he does it. (laughs) I mean, it's like, we, we have to be talking like if we're not talking on different days, we're at least talking in different halves of the day. <laughs> so it's like their customer service is so awesome. But it's, um, you know, you look at how fast they're moving the bar. You can measure fatigue with that as well, you know, and, and you know, because, you know, it's been shown that when you move the bar in X range, you're training Y type of strength, whether it be mm. strength speed or speed strength or max strength or yada, yada, yada. So you can more specifically load in that sense. The next one I mentioned is triphasic training. What that is, is you look at each action that we say them is performed in sports, right? There's an eccentric, an isometric, and a concentric contraction of the muscles. Eccentric is lengthening, isometric is not moving, and then your concentric is shortening. You basically train each one of those independently. Mm. So you can look at how they're moving and you can add those things together. The part of swimming that we still don't know is how involved the first two are when it comes to the wall. Um, I think we're going to find the answers. And I think we have the guy at the head of USA Swimming to lead that investigation to find the answers in Keenan Robinson. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's a rock star, dude. And like that's, that, that, I think, is the best move our country's made for international <laughs> sport is to put him at the head of it and just say, you know, Say, run it, dude, because um, he is. He, he, beyond being an awesome coach and a great practitioner, he's an absolutely fantastic human being, mm. and he's someone that uh, like coaches will they they will just show up for because he's done so much for everybody else. Oh, that's great. And actually, speaking of coaches, Jay, to wrap this up here, this has been a great talk. What can you say specifically? I would say to other swim coaches or even athletes that do tend to do that higher distance where it sometimes feels like they say, well, I'm either going to go maybe short distance and do weights, or I'm just going to do long distance. But again, you're in a kind of unique situation where the club is known for being more over distance. We're going to do volume. What would you say to other coaches who are maybe thinking, okay, do I really need to add the dry line and strength training into this or to other swimmers too? Well, I think that my outlook on it is different because when I came in, at Richmond and every year we have like two very extremes in the spectrum. Mm. We have the women who have performed a lot of dry land work and are really good in the weight room. 
and are prepared for what they're going to do. And we have those that either weren't or it was a different method used or whatever it may be and have a very hard time picking up on the techniques. So I think that the first thing for me is that I wanted to make sure that these kids were ready to go to college. Mm. You know, and I think that we owe them that. You know, if we're going to ask them to do all this stuff and we're going to, you know, wake them up at four o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning for their whole high school career, the least we could do is have them ready so that when they go to college, they don't hurt themselves. Mm. Um, The other thing I would say is take whatever you think you're going to do or whatever's going to help you and cut everything in half (laughs) and just do it that way or do it all in one set. So if you're going to do three sets of 10, do a set of 30 or do a set of 20. Hmm, That set of 20 came up again, you know, just do one set, do something because, you know, Mark Bell says it all the time, right? Strength is never a weakness, Mm -hmm. you know, and even like these distance guys, I think that really the only thing that's ever been proven to to correlate to swimming is like height, limb length and foot size, right? (laughs) So it's like, I don't know if it's going to help, hmm. but I know that if your shoulders are stronger and your technique gets better, your catch should be higher. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to pull longer. So you maybe won't slow down as much off your turn, which means your time should be faster. I can't prove any of those, but it's just like, you know, if you just run an FP then Q through your yeah. head, you would think it would help, you know? And if you're not lifting psychotically heavy weights, it's going to be a pretty good like recuperative means to help you feel better. Mm. You know, I mean, how sore are you after those practices? <laughs> you know, maybe if you go and move around and like, you know, do some light raises, you know, some rows, you get your <laughs> shoulder blades moving a little bit. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll actually feel better. That's awesome. And I think too, more so for the guys, confidence breeds a lot of success. Hmm. So if you're living a little bit more of the dream and you're a little bit more jacked and tan, it's probably not going to hurt you in the long run. <laughs> Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.